0: A picture or a video may be worth a thousand words, but sometimes the bigger stories not always told. We are a program dedicated to telling you those stories with analysts and opinions from those that go beyond the lens. We are AllMonster.com Beyond the Lens.
1: Hello and welcome to the newest edition of AllMonster.com's Beyond the Lens. Today we will be covering a couple of topics. Among them will be track design, body design, and chassis design. Now, fellows, I'd like to introduce everybody here. First of all is Ed Horman from O'Fallon, Missouri, near the home of Bigfoot. Jeremy Puglisi, all the way from Wheeling, West Virginia, the radio superstar himself, is in the house. As well as Josh Rhodes from Ramsey, Illinois. And myself, Robert Hot, from Germantown, Wisconsin. Welcome guys, thanks for coming in. And the first topic we're gonna bring up here is track design. Now, we have seen a ton of different designs in monster trucks, but I think personally that we've just scraped the surface of the things that the trucks are capable of and thus the type of tracks that we can build around them. So, my first question to you guys is, what do you think the next five years in track design will bring? What changes will we see? What are these trucks gonna be capable of running on in five years? Track design in the
2: last couple of years has already improved if you've watched the Monster Truck Challenge series that Rich Schaefer's put on. Those have been some amazing tracks as far as the crossover design that we've seen that he does, and now I'm guessing he's going to do it next year and the year after that at the uh, Back to School Bash in Charlotte, and that's just an amazing course to watch because you've got 50-second laps from Monster Trucks. Another good design I would say from him was, uh, I believe it was 2008, or was it 2007? that he had the event in kentucky at the kentucky speedway the z course that they had out there where they were racing over buses and then going into a normal style type monster truck track going over cars that was interesting and i think we're gonna see more courses like that coming along and monster jam maybe
3: that's a good point those were some really interesting tracks But I kind of want to take a different approach to this. I think the tracks themselves have gotten too big now. I think they're building too big of a ramp, too steep of things, and I think it's causing a lot more breakage. So until they can get the the axles tightened up and all the four-link bars real nice and tight uh, to prevent those from breaking and having tires and all that stuff come off, I think they kind of need to back the track design down a little bit and maybe uh, have more of a lead-up on the ramps to the freestyle stuff. I think the racing lanes are fine. I think the freestyle part of the shows that most promoters use I think things are getting a little bit too steep, a little too high. So, I think personally, we should kind of go back a little bit and just kind of scale down our freestyle obstacles. But then again, I think freestyle is a big part of the show now, so it's kind of a, a trade-off. Do you want to have a really good, exciting show, or do you want to have a show that doesn't have any breakage, but the track's kind of lame?
0: You know what I'm saying? Jeremy, that was actually a point I was going to bring up too. I think that some of the some of the courses we're seeing are a little too getting a little too extreme but to go with josh's point i think the way that um the mtc the mantra truck challenge is going is going to be the way of the future um maybe with least steeper jump less steeper of jumps and so on like that but with the longer courses and the more layout design the z courses and what josh was talking about i think that's going to be the way the things go um every, we are correct yeah freestyle is dominant but with those long courses you, still can, you can still have a great freestyle track, too.
2: And uh, Rich Schaefer has proven that over the years. One thing that I have I've been growingly getting sick of is seeing Chicago style at every single show that I go to that's a big show. I don't mean to knock Monster Jam there for doing that, but it, it gets boring when you see a truck finish on one side of the stadium and the other trucks finishing on the other side of the stadium. True hardcore racers will tell you they want to see trucks side-by-side side coming to the finish line and really going after it. That's why I like watching the Rich Schaefer design tracks because you'll see guys like Mark Hall and Doug Nolke and Dan Runcie, and they'll all be running so hard to get to that finish line before the other guy in the other lane.
1: Definitely good points all around, guys. Uh, You guys bring up several things that I wanted to bring up in my own thoughts and and talk about, so I'm just going to knock them out here one by one and open the floor for discussion. Uh, I will mention, first of all, uh, I do echo your sentiments there, Josh, about the tracks being too similar. Uh I believe, first of all, if we're going to talk about either stepping it up or knocking it down a couple of notches as far as design and the angle of the ramps and stuff, the first thing you have to look at is the venue involved. you got to remember, you know, Rich Schaefer did, did all his MTC, MLMT shows uh, out, outdoors in venues that were unprecedented in space size. You know, the biggest indoor arena doesn't hold a candle to you know, Las Vegas Motor Speedway or something of that nature, and when you have more design room to play with, you have more shutdown room to play with. Uh, The rule in in Monster Jam and in most uh, promoters is you want to have three times as much shutdown area as you have launch area, so they have a lot of uh, sort of either unwritten or actually written and and, uh, followed rules for this kind of thing, so you are a little more limited, obviously, indoors as opposed to an outdoor uh, venue. I still think, though, that uh, more can be done with these venues, and it is up to uh, the people at the top, the people that are making the decisions, to mix things up a little bit. Um, you know, there's there are the people that will say, "Well, you know, Chicago style is the fastest you could possibly go indoors in these arenas and stuff like that." Um, I don't really care how fast. A race is as opposed to how exciting it is yes yes going faster is exciting but if we see the same course over and over and over i do get a little irritated with that i do think that uh that hurts racing and and you can build a good freestyle course around almost any racing layout if you put your mind to it we see some great creativity in freestyle i think some of that creativity needs to be taken over to the racing avenue
0: well, Robbie, real quick, let me ask you this. Do you think that we're seeing the same type of courses because they're focusing more and more on freestyle to try to get those guys to go bigger and bigger each year?
1: I don't necessarily know that the goal is bigger and bigger each year, but I do think that if we look at you know World Finals 2 and then look at last year's World Finals, there is a huge difference there. The ramps that we saw this year – don't hold a you know the the ramps that you see in World Finals two don't hold a candle to what we've seen now. Uh, the advent of the dirt coming in and being more of an obstacle than the actual cars, buses, vans uh, is the biggest change. And you know that's in part due to it getting harder to find cars and vehicles for shows. I think that's also in part due to yeah they want to step it up, but I don't necessarily know if that's the goal so much as just you know, necessary for uh, for us to keep entertained. I think the trucks, I think you have to build the trucks to take the track, you know, so truck design has come a long ways too, and that's something we're going to get into later uh, with the design of chassis and things like that. But I believe if the trucks can take it, you build the track around what the trucks can take. And that's something that I believe Jeremy was trying to uh, get at was, if You you can build the greatest, coolest track in the world, but if the trucks all break on it, something's wrong with the track. You can't go out there and tell them to, to go fix their $250,000 piece of equipment.
3: Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Uh, just as an example, I was watching uh, World Finals 11. I got the DVD the other day, uh, and I was watching it. It seemed like most of the field had some kind of breakage in it, and it was just because of how cluttered the track was, it seemed. It seemed like there was just way too much stuff out there And even in racing, you'd hit the box van and it would throw your truck over. so to me, I think things are getting too steep and the track itself is getting too crowded.
1: That's definitely a good point. Uh, you know, again, it's, I believe it's venue specific, you know, if you had that same track at, let's just say Las Vegas motor speedway, instead of Sam Boyd stadium, I don't believe you'd have as many problems. I do believe that, uh, you know, regardless of the promoter, I believe that the officials do give time to racing. I believe the focus is more on freestyle because that's what the fans want. But I think if more time was devoted to uh, racing and the layout there, that you could come up with some cool stuff. Um, one of my favorite examples of promoters mixing things up was the uh, the event at Joliet, Illinois uh, at Route 66 Raceway. Uh, I've done shows there with Josh, and he can attest to this as well. You know, the the track layout was the draw for me. Besides being close, it was that I never knew what I was going to see out there. I didn't know if I was going to see this layout, that layout, whatever. Uh, You can go to some shows, and and I'm sorry to say that you can pretty much expect the same layout every year now, and that's kind of disappointing to me racing-wise. I like to see something exciting, and uh, Joliet was one of those shows where it was like, i have no idea what i'm going to see one year i saw a bridge crossover type track the next year it was a, a chicago style backwards you know there's just all sorts of things there
3: and again i just want to make sure that everyone's you know clear as to what we're talking about here track layout and robbie brings up a good point we're comparing apples and oranges here you're going to a speedway then we're talking about shows that could happen in a hockey rink so you really have to look at the venue uh to me straight line racing in a hockey rink is just downright exciting i don't know I know a lot of the average Monster Truck fans are not really into the straight line stuff. But to me, seeing Monster Trucks in a hockey rink going you know straight line over the cars is awesome. But then again, you go to a bigger arena like Lucas uh, Lucas Field or whatever they call it. What do they call that track?
1: Lucas Oil Stadium.
3: You go to Lucas Oil Stadium and you see Chicago racing year in and year out. It, it gets a little boring. So I see the points that everyone's trying to make here.
2: One thing Definitely. I can attest to this conversation right here is that if you're a hardcore race fan in which 90% of the people that come to a Monster Jam show that I've talked to or even go to any Monster Truck show that I hear from are true race fans, they like to cheer for the guys as they're coming side-by-side back to the line. That's my biggest thing. These arenas that we run in Monster Jam nowadays, like in St. Louis or like in Indy, you can easily fit a St. Louis-style course in there where you've got two dueling ovals and you can still have a very good freestyle setup in that place.
0: I agree, Josh. I mean... Being from St. Louis myself and seeing, I've been to almost all the Edward Jones Dome shows, which I'm pretty sure you have too. We know that what can fit inside those type of domes. I mean, the side by side finish, you are correct. People I talk to, everyone you talk to, they like to see that type of finish. I just think that um, right now, I just think that the doing the Chicago style is so easy to set up um, and they can do more, they can get bigger jumps out of it and stuff like that. I just think it's an ease of why they're doing that.
1: I also think that it's it has to do with the speed, you know, carry speed. If you if you're talking about let's just say like you said a, a St. Louis style and then a Chicago style, the trucks carry more speed uh, around the turns and do stuff like that than having to sort of start and stop a little more with a tighter turn on a St. Louis style. To me, that makes no difference to uh, the people designing the track, uh, as you mentioned, and you know, to some other people, it might it might make a big difference. I personally would like to see a St. Louis style in St. Louis. Um, you know, hence the name, but, uh, not everybody sees it that way. It's, it's a little disappointing to me. I would like to see a little more variation there. Uh, one of the cooler layouts that I mentioned, you know, that I liked was, uh, you know, the crossover. And I think you could do that inside a bigger arena, like an Edward Jones dome or a Lucas oil stadium. Now, uh, maybe even new Orleans at the Superdome. there was rumblings in the past that they were thinking about doing something like that. And, uh, You know, unfortunately, we had to deal with Hurricane Katrina, and uh, that never came to fruition. So I don't know where it's going to go from here, but I would like to see something like that inside a a dome. I think it's doable.
3: All right, next on Beyond the Lens, we're talking track design part two, so keep it here on All Monsters Beyond the Lens.
1: We would like to thank AllMonster.com, sponsor Storm Damage Monster Truck Racing, for their great support throughout the 2010 season. Head on over to www.stormdamageracing.com for information on the Storm Damage Monster Truck as well as its teammate truck, Hurricane Force. Are you looking for a total entertainment package to promote your Speedway event or monster truck show? Be sure to check out General hazard, that's hazard with two Z's, dot com. It is home to the Abuser Tank, the General Hazard Ride Truck, and the Incinerator Monster Race Truck. And we're back with another part for all Monster.com's Beyond the Lens. Here we're talking about track design, and, fellas, we want to bring in Dustin Hart from Nags Head, North Carolina. He was a little late today, so... We are going to start with him, and Dustin, you recently saw what we were talking about with the crossover design, but what are your preferences on the finish, where the finish line is placed, and where the trucks are placed as far as track design goes?
4: Well, to me, I'm a bit of an old-school traditionalist when it comes to how the trucks finish. I love a side-by-side finish any time I go to an event. Um, you know, Chicago style is okay, but it's hard to track as a fan, or just in general, as to who's going to win the race. Um, and it makes finish line calls very difficult, at least when you have the trucks side-by-side. It's really, it's a little more cut and dry as to how the finish is going to be. Um, it's easier to follow for the fans. It's a lot easier to tell who's going to win a race.
1: Definitely good points there. We've touched on a few of those already. One of the things, though, is the side-by-side finish. And one of the tracks I can remember we were bringing up just a minute ago when we were off air was... The figure eight style course that used to run in Louisville, and you will see it. You've actually seen it at Joliet, Illinois, some of those other places as well. Uh, what do you guys think of bringing a layout like that back to the forefront at a show?
2: One thing that I always liked about the figure eight course was uh, if you go to Louisville Motor Speedway, you would see always to see the top trucks in the country come out and run there. You'd see Dennis Anderson. You'd see tourists You would see a uh, Bigfoot, just to name a few, out there. And I always, I always had the big race feel when I watched that on TV. And a lot of true race fans out there don't know what I'm talking about when I talk big race feel. Like everybody bigs at this show, and they're going to be running as hard as they can. And that's what I always got with the figure eight from Louisville. You could probably fit that course inside any dome that Monster Jam runs in with maybe the exception of uh, the Phoenix Stadium that they run in. I don't know. That's just the one thing that I'd like to toss out into the conversation.
1: Yeah, I think it's doable, and I think that that's actually you know the bigger domes or or even an out outdoor venue uh, if they moved into some of the bigger uh, speedways and things like that. That's the only place you could do it. The, the days of doing a layout like that in a place like Louisville, I think, are over just due to safety. You know, uh, even back in those days, you know, Anderson had his famous uh, comeback victory and then crash where he smacked a wall. The know, power Porter slide. was into the wall, and yeah, Porter was a the no wall in Carolina Crusher, you know. There were plenty of near misses there that could have been a uh, big problem. So you also have to look at, at track design from a safety point of view, and that's something I think a lot of people forget about. You know, one of the, the hard rules that uh, Feld uses in their design of tracks now is you need three times as much shutdown area as you have launch area uh, for freestyle obstacles, racing, you know, the whole deal. So... Sometimes you're limited by a little more than you think. Uh, there are plenty of other promoters that, that could do this. Uh, I see the summertime, you know, after first quarter, when the weather gets nice, you start going to some of these outdoor venues. I see that as being an opportunity as well for, you know, a figure eight design.
0: I know that uh, Rocky Mountain Raceway just a few weeks ago, they actually had a figure eight course. And I know that everyone was there and all the highlights you see and stuff like that, that people been, was real excited about it, had that big race feel. I know that uh, there's some coverage I've seen and stuff like that from it, and man, it was awesome. But like Robbie was saying, you, you're only going to be able to do that in certain instances, and I think it's going to be a summertime or or a tr- uh, outside track like that where you're going to be able to do it.
1: Definitely, definitely. Rocky Mountain Raceway is a good point there. You know that that layout and that design is something that would have me excited about racing. And we've spoken about this. You know, obviously, it has to do with the talent on the track as well. You have to be able to bring that to the right field of drivers to navigate a good, complicated track, uh, not to discount anybody's abilities, but, uh, if you want to see good close racing, you have to have the, the field for it that, that is willing to run a track like that and give it their all, you know, Mark Hall is a good name there. He's run almost everything. Uh, you know, me and Josh have been to a lot of those shows in Joliet where he's won on all different kinds of courses, you know, uh, Runte and Creighton, as you mentioned, Ed and, and Rocky Mountain Raceway. So, Lots of guys can run lots of different courses. It's just a matter of where they are. So leading into the next topic as far as this course track design, what is each of your ultimate track design for racing? Give me a venue and give me a layout
2: kentucky speedway on the z course that rich schaefer had designed out there that was the fate my favorite race of all time that i've ever been to was to watch that one and the final between mark hall and darren basil was just absolutely amazing considering the fact that they had already made the announcement that hall was on seven cylinders so when you've got a guy that's racing an underdog, Mark Hall was racing the guy that was the underdog, and then all of a sudden he turns around and, oh, this guy's got seven cylinders now, maybe he's the underdog, and then they come to the finish side-by-side. That was amazing to watch, and I still have, to this day, never heard a crowd as loud as that crowd was after that finish. That was just amazing to be a part of.
1: Definitely. We've got to vote for a Rich Schaefer track design. How about you, Jeremy?
3: Hmm. I think I'm also going to have to go with an MTC, the crossover track. And going back to what we said in the first segment, I think you could do that in just about any stadium. So I wouldn't have a specific venue in mind, but I would like to see them try that crossover idea at an actual indoor stadium. I think that would be a really cool scene. I think the fans would just love it.
1: That's two votes for Rich Schaefer for his track designs. Do we have a differing opinion? Uh, let's uh, Let's go with that here.
0: Uh, I think mine would be Edward Jones, Dome, and maybe a I like the St. Louis style a lot, I guess, just because I've grown up seeing that a lot. But the St. Louis style really intrigues me. But if I had to do a second vote, it would be that crossover, like Jeremy said. That would be awesome to see inside.
1: Understood. We all have different layouts so far uh, for our first choice. So, Dustin, are you going to be of dissenting opinion? What is your opinion on this layout thing?
4: You know, I really don't have a particular, more or less, uh favorite layout. Essentially, what I like to see in a course is I love to see a side by side finish. I like to see the trucks carrying a lot of speed, and I like to see a track that challenges a way a driver attacks a course. You know, if there's a way you can set up a track to where a driver may have the potential to double a jump or, you know, have to play it safe or, you know, throw in a lot of different variables. I like a track that's technical, fast, and side by side finish.
1: Definitely. Now, we all mentioned tracks, and each one of these tracks is long and on a big layout. So I'm not going to shy away from that either. I think I would take a little bit of every what everybody said. Uh, me personally, I want us I want a mix of raw horsepower. I want to see guys getting a lot of speed up, but I also want to see a little bit of technical. You know, I, I want at the end of the night the racing champion to have earned their keep. And that's to me what racing is all about you have proven your ability not only against the other drivers on the course, but you have tamed the track. And I think that's doable. I think we can all agree that uh, we see potential for excitement, uh, more excitement in racing, and that's starting to come back. One of the reasons that the Monster Jam World Finals is popular, not only for freestyle, but for racing, is because of the speeds and the excitement there.
0: I think another thing that can be said, too, is we're talking about the big big stadiums and so on like that but i mean like jeremy hit on in that first segment some of those smaller arenas the hockey arenas and stuff like that i really do like that side-by-side racing that we get there that that small feel kind of how we started out with the monster truck industry
1: definitely you know i've heard people say in the stands that are first-time fans or you know even even have been to a show before they say man you know i can't believe they even do monster trucks in these small arenas well we've proven with a variety of promoters over the years, that monster trucks can fit into pretty much anywhere, and uh, they can be exciting pretty much anywhere. You look at a guy like Charlie Pawkin, you know, some of these indoor guys that just have have cut their teeth on these these small, tight surfaces. You can do a lot with a monster truck in a small area, and it can still be exciting no matter where you're at.
3: Oh, I think that's safe to say. Um, I think everyone is familiar with the Thunder National Series. And, yeah, it's straight-line racing, and, yeah, the trucks only run laps of, like, two seconds. But still, I always hear fans in the stands saying that is just really tight, awesome racing. And then not to mention you have your donuts. They bring on a van for freestyle and all that kind of stuff. So you still get that awesome Monster Jam, you know, raw power feel, but you get it in a tiny, tiny hockey rink, and it's just awesome. And I kind of think that, uh, you know, if you're a true fan of the side-by-side racing, maybe we ought to start looking at some of the uh, Thunder National-type tracks. Uh, maybe just having one long straightaway and then seeing what we get from that.
1: Yes, you know a lot of people on the message boards everywhere you go say, "Man, I miss those old days." You know, the the Penda is obviously the first one that comes up, then probably TNT. You know, the older series had some of those courses. I mean, I'm 15 minutes away from the Walkie Mile, and I still wish there's that part of that fan part of me that wishes. You know. I wish they had those two or three jumps. I wish they could get up to about 60 miles an hour and hit 13 cars wide open. I think with today's technology, that'd be nothing. You know, I think I would love to see that more often. You know, about the only time you're going to get that now is at Hagerstown or West Lebanon. Even still, with today's new technology
2: and the trucks, I still don't think anybody could beat
1: USA 1's jump records out there at Milwaukee. <laughs> it's it's definitely an interesting thing to think about and you know with all the talk of jump records lately and things like that you know it's it was a pretty cool thing to see you know whether you were sitting there watching it on tv i'm sure it was really really cool live as well and you know there's still a market for that i still like you know just because it's not creative doesn't mean it's not exciting
4: yeah the thing the great thing about a straight line course is, is sometimes it's a great way to make the maximize the most out of space and some folks might think that's a little bit backwards but you know not everywhere you get the you know the huge amount of space to where you can throw in you know a giant turning course with you know complex you know stuff like that but a three jump straight line course where you get trucks up at high speeds where guys are running it out the back door wheel to wheel by the finish line it really does make for an excellent ex-
1: exciting race and you got to think freestyle here, too, because as a track designer, your job is to obviously think about both. I, When I attended the race at West Lebanon, I found it very interesting how they set things up for freestyle. You don't obviously have a lot of room to work with if you're working on a speedway and it's on a straight line on the front stretch. And I thought it was cool from the standpoint that the drivers had to adjust to the track instead of coming in and planning for the same old, same old, It was okay. Well, now I got to keep my speed up in between the obstacles. Can I almost try doing a Mincer and Anderson at doubling this? Uh, You know, can I carry a wheelie? I remember seeing Bobby Z do a slap wheelie, you know, from one stack to the other. That's something that Charlie Pawkins is also famous for. You know, you have to adjust to the track, obviously, during racing. But when that happens during freestyle, I like that. It's something different. It makes for good TV, it makes for good live show. I think that's just a win all the way around. And, uh, you know, Dustin speaks to that with this with a straight line course, I think you can still do plenty of things in freestyle.
0: I can even talk about that a little here. Um, myself and Josh and Chris Kalen were invited to go to Warrens Missouri and do an event for Sudden Impact Racing, and uh, we were asked our input on the track, gave our input, and they kind of used our idea the straight line course and did some freestyle stuff with it. We'll put freestyle obstacles in the middle of the straight line. Nice uh, hill that no one wanted to hit because it was huge. But um, anyways, uh, it, it turned out to be a great event being straight line, and I know that everyone I talked to in the stands, all the people, friends and family that were there that I know, they all loved it and enjoyed the straight line. They said they, they enjoyed that actually more than seeing the Chicago style because, like we've been saying and hitting the point, they love seeing that side-by-side finish.
1: Definitely good points all around, fellas. Now, as we mentioned before, you have to build the equipment to take these kind of course design ideas that we have in mind. Ten years ago, this might not have been possible, but now we're talking about $250,000, $300,000 for a turnkey truck. And the game, the ante's been up. And the interesting thing to me is that chassis design has not been streamlined like it has been in some other sports where there's only one or two manufacturers. We're talking about a ton of guys coming up with a ton of different ideas you know off the top of my head i can name probably seven or eight guys that do chassis and i find that interesting i think everybody's got a different way to make it work and there are several good great designs out there that will i believe last us for quite a while what are your thoughts on the best new chassis design in the past 10 years Easily, I think that that can be answered with the stuff
2: that I see coming out of the Feld shop all the time with the new Digger 20 that came out a few years ago with the designs that we see now under Alex Blackwell's uh, Captain's Curse and then under Blue Thunder with Lindsey Wink. I mean, that design is pretty versatile for the Feld design trucks. and uh, It's longer, a little bit longer wheelbase, but it gets the job done on pretty much every course that I see those trucks on.
1: Yeah, that's definitely an interesting one. And, and Dustin, you can definitely jump in here. You're only about 40 minutes away from the Digger Shop, and uh, you know those chassis are are becoming, uh, are replacing the old old design Patrick trucks a lot, and you will see that a lot this coming first quarter. Um, yeah, I would I would say those were uh, designed by Paul Cohen, uh, all the guys at the Digger Shop as well. They put their heads together and. Came out with a great product you know this is the future uh or they wouldn't be using it frankly you know i would also like to throw out another name in there though uh pablo huffaker's chassis i don't even think that they've had to retire one of those yet and that can't be said about very many designs you know i've seen it on mark schrader's truck uh, david smith's old king crunch uh, chris bergeron's Brutus. you know the list goes on there and all those guys beat the heck out of their trucks and they just keep on going. And so I would say definitely he's up there as well uh, in the guy list of guys that can make great chassis, that can hold up to today's standards.
2: You can never forget Nan Patrick, though, and all the contributions that he has made to the sport with the Patrick chassis. A lot of the Feld trucks have ran Patrick chassis over the years. And in my opinion, though, one chassis that may not be mainstream or built anymore was that Wilman chassis that we see under maximum destruction all the time. That is a very well built and maintained piece for as much abuse as Tom Mintz puts it through every single weekend. Same with Neil Elliott's piece. They hold up and
1: they have proven the test of time. And they've also, as you said, proven the test of abuse. And uh, it's, it's mainly Mintz, but it's not just him anymore. I mean, you see Ryan Rice's incinerator, um, you know, Tim Mente's storm damage, Well, was storm damage is now Hurricane Forge. Uh, those trucks have a lot of mileage, a lot of years on them and uh, still just stand the test of time. Obviously, well-built machines, and uh, Mintz is coming out with a new chassis this this first quarter, and I'm looking forward to seeing what changes, if any, he's made to it.
0: Um, that's going to be something I'm looking into, too. Another name that uh, they're kind of new to getting into the game, but that's Concussion Engineering. I know they just uh, built Jocelyn Perrin's new high-maintenance truck. So I really don't know what's going to be from them, but from looking at the pictures of her truck, looks like it's going to be a very stout piece. Those
3: are all great names that you guys have mentioned so far. Uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, Pablo Helfaker or the Racehorse Chassis. Those trucks take a lot of abuse. And, of course, just as uh, Josh had said, Dan Patrick, he's made all kinds of advances in chassis design, so you really can't mention chassis without mentioning Dan.
1: Yeah, he's the first name that comes to mind for anybody, and uh, I wouldn't necessarily take it as a hit that that Feld went with somebody else uh, to with their design. It's not like... Uh, all of a sudden, Patrick's become obsolete or anything. There's going to be plenty of Patrick chassis for years and years to come, and uh, that's the first name that comes to anybody's mind if you know the subtle differences between chassis. You know, one of the one of the things that's not so subtle, uh, difference wise though, is is as you mentioned, um, you you have about seven or eight guys that you could call up if you need something made, and uh, one of the other guys is uh, J and B Fabrication. They actually came out with Tim Mente's new storm damage truck which has performed fantastic and the new backdraft chassis will also be through them they also did his old design and uh jeremy Slifko's obviously put a beating on his trucks every weekend so if you need a new chassis you have a lot of options whereas back in the day you didn't necessarily have so many i think a lot of people are figuring this stuff out figuring out exactly what the trucks can take on these new style tracks
4: one thing i think all of us have forgotten to mention here is that you know, Dan Patrick has been known for his innovations. He's busting out this all new design that he's been working with. Uh, we see it underneath of the all new Toxic Monster truck. We're going to be seeing it, I can imagine, on a few other trucks coming up here in the first quarter. There, it's still similar in its design, but there are a lot of subtle differences there. I'm interested to see what it's going to do performance wise and how it holds up with the other new chassis.
1: Definitely, the debut of the Toxic truck went well by all accounts. And, uh, Jeremy, you were actually at Dan Patrick's open house, if I'm correct. Uh, yeah, I was there. Did you, get, did you get a chance to speak with Dan about some of the new innovations, some of the new design? Uh, you got to see the thing up close and personal. They had a new one out on display. So what were the things that struck your eye?
3: Um, you know, to be honest offhand, I really don't remember exactly what they are, but there is a photo gallery. It's on allmonster.com. Lots of cool shots of the uh, the new chassis design. It looks like there was some new pipes in there along the cradle, uh, trying to strengthen that up along the uh, where the folding bars mount. And then... Uh, up towards where the front shocks would be. It looked like there was some new pipe in there to kind of reinforce things. But, again, I, I really don't remember offhand. But I didn't have a chance to talk with Dan. He was too busy uh, meeting with his fans. But we could uh, we could try and maybe set something up with him. I'm sure Dan would love to explain those uh, those new design changes on those chassis.
1: Hey, you heard it first here on dot is Beyond the Lens. That would be a great idea. Now, continuing on with, with subtle differences and stuff, one of the things that has evolved over the years is engine placement. You know, the space for the engine where the chassis is. It's gotten lower, and it's gotten more towards the middle of the truck as guys have, frankly, tried to catch up to Mintz's, you know, truck. His his forward, forward-facing engine gave him a huge advantage when Monster Jam started going to the turning courses. And then, you know, regardless of what promoter, you've got a lot of guys that have caught up to him with these new chassis designs. I think personally that's part of the reason why we saw Anderson start doing well was he got in that Gravedigger 19, and the the engine, the weight was better balanced and more towards the center, and he was more competitive with racing as soon as that happened almost.
2: I do like the uh, design of the Gravedigger number 20 machine mainly be- mainly for the engine placement that they have in that. It's nice and low, center to the ground, and anybody in racing will tell you the lower the center of gravity, the better your vehicle will perform.
4: Another interesting thing to add in about the uh, chassis design of Gravedigger 20 and engine placement, I actually stopped by the shop before first quarter this year. And they were actually moving the engine placement a little bit, making some minor adjustments so that a truck would handle a lot better and make for uh, quicker engine
1: changes in case that needed to be done. Well, definitely a good point there, Dustin. And one of the things that we have been talking about is the track design. I think the chassis design has been affected by what we've seen as far as tracks. You know, these chassis that Feld are putting out now uh, – are designed for big air, they're designed for big hits, they're designed for wide-open racing. And you'll see it every once in a while at uh, Thunder Nationals. You know, some of the shows that you've seen, Jeremy, uh, you know, me as well at some of these smaller shows. The trucks have a little bit of trouble in the wheelie contest if you put them up against the Patrick because of this engine placement, these things that we've been talking about. You know, if you you throw Lindsey Winks Blue Thunder, you know, the newer chassis have a little bit more trouble because they're so well balanced and well built on these smaller arena floors a perfect example of that that i got to see personally was
2: digger 20 with paul cohen driving in rosemont illinois a few years ago he uh had a difficult time trying to keep up with jimmy creton's truck in the wheelie contest for the simple fact of the engine placement on 20 and the fact that he hadn't driven that truck in a while or messed with that truck in a while but he was still getting some fairly decent wheelies but the thing of it is that i noticed Creighton could just crawl up to the cars and hit it and wheelie on command. 20, it it was almost like Cohen had to floor it towards the car, slam on the brakes, and then when he felt it hit the car, slam it into the, or hit the throttle as hard as he could, and that would be the best that he could do with that truck to get a wheelie.
1: Definitely. Regardless of the piece of equipment, the driver has a huge effect on that, and as does what you do with the piece of equipment you're given. Shock setups are huge. You know, the... Every little thing can make a difference, and as some of you have seen on Carlvanhorn.com, all Monster associate there, uh, Carl talks about tweaking trucks a lot and just getting the most out of them. And I remember you and I, Josh, were in a show in Quincy, Illinois, and he was getting frustrated with the truck because he didn't, he couldn't do a slap wheel. He was in Gravedigger 19 at the time, which was the the predecessor to the current Cohen fabricated chassis that we see now. And he worked and worked and worked on the shocks and on everything of the entire weekend. And he eventually got the thing to do what he wanted it to. You know, uh, we're not saying this is insurmountable. We're not saying that it's a reflection on any of the drivers. Uh, it's just a different ball game, and people have to get adjusted to it. And I think eventually we'll be able to see the chassis perform well in small arenas. But right now I think it's interesting because some guys have a handle on it. Some guys can adjust and others have a little bit more trouble.
2: And with that, I think we're going to go ahead and end our discussion here. But all of you guys that are listening to this program, go ahead and email us at allmonster.com. Email either me, Dustin, Ed, Jeremy, or Robbie. And maybe one of these days we'll be talking about one of your ma- emails that you sent to us. Thanks for uh, listening, and we'll talk to you later. Keep it closet. Thank you, my people.
3: And do what the Radio Superstar
4: does. Keep it on all fours. I don't have anything clever to say.
0: And that's it. For this edition of the AllMonster.com Beyond the Lens. On behalf of everyone here at the show, please tune in next time and thank you.